Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation, and today we're focusing on probation. I'm with Heather Monroe, who's visiting New York City this week from London. She was appointed Chief Executive of London Probation Trust in 2010, which means she's in charge of probation for the whole city, about 70,000 offenders a year. She's been in New York City this week learning how probation and justice in general is carried out in the U.S., observing several of the Center for Court Innovation's demonstration projects. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So probation, at its heart, is about keeping offenders accountable without sending them to jail. And if things work out well, probation is also about making sure the offender doesn't return to offending. But I know in the U.S. that probation departments sometimes have a hard time because of budget cuts, high caseloads, reduced resources. They have a hard time meeting those goals. I understand that in London, you're going through an era of change you're probably facing quite a few challenges of your own. And I thought maybe we could start out by you explaining a little bit about what some of those challenges are and and how you've been addressing them. Okay, yes. And probation in England is slightly different. Well, it's different from New York because we also deal with offenders who you would normally call on parole. So we're dealing with both community orders and parole, or as we call them, licensees. So people who have served time served in time, jail yes. or prison yes. and are returning to the community. Yeah. So we have you know, much more than sort of holistic. We're dealing with them, some very serious offenders, dangerous offenders who are coming out of custody, as well as the, the lower level cases. Um, and having observed uh, New York, I think there's some lots of similarities about the challenges we're facing. You're right about the economic pressures, having to do more for less. Um, is, is a, when we've been going through cuts over the years. But there's also lots of differences. I think we, we do probably manage to uh, have more contact with the majority of offenders, although we are about to trial kiosks, which I know is something that's uh, been part of the way they've managed the large numbers of cases. Here in New York. Here in New York. In other words, you, the offender, goes to a kiosk and yes. checks in without actually speaking to a, yes. a human a probation yes. officer. Yes, yes. So we're, we're, we're looking to trial that approach in a different way, I think, maybe as maybe an incentive towards the end of an order or at a different point. So yes, some challenges around how we manage the work, the caseloads. What I've noticed is that the, some of the differences are we have probably more use of an assessment tool and uh, our staff have probably had more intensive training, probably because they're managing these higher risk offenders. So it takes about 18 months to qualify. So that's, I think, slightly different uh, here. And they go through an 18-month training process to, after they've been hired, or yes. that's prior to being yeah, hired? Yeah, well, they, they are hired on the job. So they start off as a probation service officer, and then they can be trained to become a probation officer, and that takes about 18 months sort of on the job and academic university work as well. So there's quite a lot of investment in those people to manage, because I think partly because they are managing some very dangerous and difficult offenders in the community. But otherwise, I think there's, you know, lots Lots of similarities uh, with New York probation where I think they're looking at working much more in the community. We are similarly working at how can we get our staff much more out of their offices based in the community. So it's been fascinating seeing the work that the you know the Centre for Court Innovation just is, is all of those, the problem solving and how all of that works and the real work around community engagement that's been done. So that's certainly one of the things we'll be taking back is looking at how we can get 
more buy-in from the community. But also, do people really know what we do? Similar thing, I'm sure, here. Does anybody understand what it is that probation services do? They've heard of us, but do they know what we really do? You had actually written an essay where you had said that there isn't a lot of public understanding. And because of that lack of uh, understanding, Mm. there isn't a lot of support for community sentences. Yes. It's certainly a big thing in the UK around uh, the credibility and the debate around punishment and the care aspects, rehabilitation. And there's been, over the years, much more of a focus on the punitive elements of order. In fact, uh, this only this week there's been an announcement from our Ministry of Justice that every community order, every probation-type order, will have an element, they're proposed to have an element of punishment in, in there. So we use electronic monitoring, or it could be fines, or it could be community service, community payback. So there is a feeling that the, the public don't feel that there's enough punishment in orders. Now, those of us that work in the system probably think that's not as accurate because actually doing a community order can for many offenders be much more punishing or challenging than uh, going to prison. Though they've been in and out of prison, it's very easy, things are on tap, on hand for them. It's much more challenging to actually have to change your behaviour. So for those of us who've tried to lose weight or stop smoking or whatever, you know, it's a really difficult process. And that's what we're often doing with people is trying to do some difficult work with them about how to change their behaviour. Such as what? Stopping abusing drugs? or Absolutely, abusing drugs, thinking differently, domestic violence... But you do have the resources then, because that does sound very... I mean, it is called Mm. intensive probation, but you have the resources to be so intensively supervisory? Yeah, we do do a lot of the interventions. There is a lot of work going into interventions. So we run a lot of programs, uh, uh, cognitive behavioural programs. But what we do very much is we base our resources on risk and need principles. So the higher... The risk and the higher the need, the more resources would go into them, so the more intensive the work we're doing with them. So we also do have people that we're seeing less often doing less intensive work. And then that ties back into your saying that you do an assessment initially and that's how you determine the the level of risk and the level of need? The assessment is usually done pre-court and it is the basis of all of our work. We call it OASIS, so it's it's an assessment system. I noticed you were an honorary visiting professor at the University of Leicester where you wrote about your interest in research and basing practice on real evidence. And I wondered if you have been able to incorporate research into the way London Probation Trust conducts business. Sounds like this assessment tool is an evidence-based practice. Yes, it is. I think we've found that that at a local level particularly, it's been hard to have the resources to do the research that's needed around the ways you're working. So one thing we're doing is trying to build up a greater research capacity within the trust. But also it's looking to the evidence that's done by academic institutions and trying to make sure our practice is aligned with that. So we've done a lot of work around cognitive behavioural groups and we're delivering those but the latest research around assistance theory talks about the importance of the one-to-one relationships of offenders being able to see themselves as non-offenders and so therefore what, what we've done is trying to bring in more peer mentors, more work with 
people who are ex-offenders so they can see that there are role models there and trying to do work with our staff around the importance of that one-to-one relationship. One thing that I had heard about from a colleague of mine was you were looking at an intensive community order for young gang-involved individuals. And I know that it builds on the intensive alternative to custody pilots, which our own Phil Bowen, who directs our London office, wrote about. And I'll, I'll link to the paper mm. that he wrote mm. with this podcast. But I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about you know, why the focus on gang-involved individuals mm. and mm. how that works, mm. how that's customized to them. Yes. I mean, I think we've first of all been interested in doing something which is more responsive and different from the, for the younger age group. I mean, we deal with people over 18, but the 18 to 24-year-olds, having something that is, is, looks different uh, rather than a one-size-fits-all approach. So when you're 18, you become an adult and you get the typical adult sentence. And in London, the whole problem of gangs is an issue. It's a priority for our mayor and the police and for us. So we wanted to help with that. So that's what we're hoping to do and uh, we'll start talking to sentences shortly. You started off a little bit referring to some of the lessons you think you're going to take back from New York mm. with you about community engagement, mm. for example. Are there any other lessons that come to mind? Yes, we feel that there's a lot here around that's being done around immediacy, doing things much quicker. And so we want to look at how we can try and speed up some of the ways in which we are picking people up at court and working with them, uh, some very impressive um, things at uh, both Brownsville and others where we've seen, you know, people are seen quickly and dealt with. So uh, that's one, one aspect. I think a more flexible approach so that it was interesting how uh, certainly the judge at Red Hook was able to give very flexible sentences. At the Red Hook Community Justice Center, yes. Judge Calabrese. Yes, and uh, and that was great. I really enjoyed, we really enjoyed that visit. And also, I think this accountability bit, I think what we've seen here is the, the, the focus on holding offenders or clients to account for what they've done, that coming back regularly, the reviews, it doesn't happen so much. We have some work around that with our drugs courts, but it's not a routine as I think we could make it, particularly with with the intensive alternative custody. That's an option we've now thought about looking at. How can we hold people to account at regular intervals? Well, great. It sounds like you had a productive week. Yeah, we've had a great time. I've been speaking with Heather Monroe, who is visiting New York from London. She is the Chief Executive of London Probation Trust. I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Download our podcast from our website at www.courtinnovation.org and from iTunes. Ms. Monroe, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you.